War. <laughs> Sorry. War has already. It gets hard when I like already once laugh. Ape started war, and human, human will not forgive. But before fighting begins, <laughs> I am sorry, my friend. Why do you sound like an old man? <laughs> I can't like remember. <laughs> do you take this woman to watch movies? And do you take this man to talk about them? I now pronounce you a podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm your host, Jason, and joining me as always, slacking on her guard duty because she was distracted by the antics of the ape that just wandered in, <laughs> it's my wife, Courtney. Hello, everyone. I am also here. Courtney, we're back to uh, continue the franchise that started... A fire in my bosom, yep, if you will. That uh, stoked the embers of creativity in young Courtney's mind. <laughs> yeah. We're watching Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Courtney, have you seen this movie? No. Do you know what's going to happen? No. What do you think might happen? I think this is the one where all of the technical stuff is going to get taken care of and they're going to form like a union of sorts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and rise up against the humans. So this movie came out in 2014. I saw this in theaters. I absolutely did not. Did you even... I had no clue it was even out. Okay. Not even on my radar. Wow. To pitch watching this trilogy, I showed you a teaser trailer, and it was for this movie particularly. Oh. Rupert Wyatt, who directed the first movie, uh-huh. uh, it was very successful, especially for what they were expecting, and 20th Century Fox immediately set a release date for May of 2014. Wyatt and screenwriter Rick Jaffa had talked about how they had intentionally planted a lot of seeds and ideas of where a story could go. They intentionally left Rise of the Planet of the Apes very open-ended so that it could go in a lot of directions, whatever direction they chose in a sequel, if it was successful. Wyatt felt that he didn't have the time to properly prep and do all the necessary work needed to make that deadline for 2014 that summer because it was three years later which is weird because that's pretty standard like it's kind of long now three year time between a sequel is it yeah i feel like the well the marvel movies have really they really perfected like a assembly line system for their movies so they can get them churning out pretty quick because they they plan them out so well that they can just kind of get, have three going while one is you know what i mean yeah. they have multiple ones going at different stages of production but anyway, uh, Rupert Wyatt dropped out, and they announced that Matt Reeves would be directing the film. That's about all I'm going to tell you before we go into it. Okay. Um, but I will tell you this. The year is 2014. The president is Barack Obama. I almost thought you were going to do an impression. The, <laughs> you, well, the, Can you imagine? The look on your face. I could not do an impression of Barack Obama. I thought you were going to go for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh, okay. Times were simpler in 2014. They really were. The top song of the of the summer, Happy by Pharrell. I'm doing the SNL announcer. You go oh, ahead. Go oh, ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I'm hop, clap along if you feel like a room without a You know, I didn't really notice that song happening. Happy. I know it was huge. Oh, great. <laughs> I know it was huge, though. 
but I never listened to the radio. I wasn't listening was to the radio at that point. It was huge for people with children because it was, I think, despicable, I could be wrong. It was despicable yes. me. Yes, despicable me adjacent. Two. No, not two, three. Oh, okay. Maybe it was two. Except when we were... I've at, seen all of them in theaters. When we were stupidly at Universal Studios a couple weeks ago, we had some Minions-themed... Ponchos? Yep, to keep us from the rain. None of us really... Neither of us really knew how to do a good Minions impression, but... That didn't, no, do you want to do... That yours? didn't stop us, though. Yeah. We just kept being like... Yeah, they just start laughing. Okay, other 2014 staples. The FIFA World Cup. Okay. That's soccer. I know. Okay. 2014 was also Taylor Swift's debut of 1989. Oh. The Apparently Kid made his appearance. And apparently. John Travolta called Adina Menzel Adele. Adele Dazeem. Yep. At the Oscars that year, which also produced one of my favorite pieces of content from the internet, which was a John Travolta generator that you put in your name. This is, it was a website and you Travoltaize your name. You put in your name and it spits out how Tra- John Travolta would say it. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, the Yours I, just sounds normal. <laughs> just Jason Johnson. <laughs> um, the ice bucket challenge was that summer. Did you do it? You did. Oh, shut up. Stop. Yeah, I did. Are you embarrassed about that? No, it's oh, just Oh, you like, kind of cheated. Why? Your work did it and you yeah. didn't really do it. I did. Yeah, kind of. You cheated. I d- why is that cheating? Somebody dumped ice down my shirt. But you didn't really you didn't really commit to it. I, I can't remember the details of it, but you didn't really do it right. No, so, okay, let me explain myself. Whoever was dumping the water on me didn't dump it on me correctly. Hmm. That wasn't my fault. Okay. Okay, well, let's go um, watch our movie. We door dashed some Chipotle. Yep. Go fire up your Blu-ray players and let's watch it together. <laughs> watch you later. Oh, we do that later. Do, do, or do we do it now? I'm losing my mind. You're back in your bathrobe, too. <laughs> I'm a real John Lithgow. <laughs> hey, do you think uh, Do you think any of these... Any? Who do you... Are okay, you... I could see the girlfriend coming back. Mm-hmm. The dad has passed on. Malfoy's dead. I assume we're going to see James Franco. I want this one to be more pandemic-y. Okay. So I'm really hoping for that. I'm excited to see Caesar, what he's up to. Koba. I'm interested to see where that goes. I know. I've already kind of revealed. I think I already told you that he's back. Yeah. Maurice, the orangutan. Orangutan. All right. Well, let's go visit our friends. Yeah. To the planet of the apes. <laughs> oh geez let's go okay okay we're back we watched it courtney what did you think of dawn of the planet of the apes i thought it was good i thought it was really good did you like it more than the first one no i probably liked them equally maybe not i don't know let's uh <laughs> let's, unpack it yeah there was more like i had to decide whose side i was on there wasn't as much going on in the first one. I like this one more because I think it's a lot more complex. Yeah. And I'm That's con- what I was trying to say. Okay. I'm constantly going back and forth between whose side I am on. I also think it is a lot more tense than the first one. Yes, definitely. I was not expecting so much. Yeah. Okay, I guess this goes without saying, but we're going to spoil all of this movie. Yeah. What was the most shocking part of it for you? I think probably when Koba shoots Caesar or when Koba shoots the two guys in the armory. It's just so shocking. 
Yeah. He's so angry. They set up his first visit to the armory just when he's when he and the other some of the other apes are scoping out, trying to find out what the humans are up to and how much uh, ammunition and munitions they have at the armory. So they already set up that he's going there and that he plays dumb to get out of them killing him, I guess. Right. Which I loved that part. So the guy who directed this movie, Matt Reeves, is directing the Robert Pattinson Batman movie that's supposed to come out next year. Oh, wow. And I always thought he was a good director, but re-watching this, it just made me really excited for that movie because there he is so good at executing tension. It's very good. So that was probably, I was, that was probably the most shocking. Oh, the scariest part is when that guy is in the car and he's smoking and Koba appears in the window. Oh, yeah. The glow of the cigarette uh-huh. in his eyes and it's, his eyes are red. Yeah. Oh, that part is scary. Yeah. And he just drags him out through the window. How did this movie compare to your expectations? Um, I thought it would be a little more po- apocalyptic. <laughs> right, once again. <laughs> I mean, it is apocalyptic. What is, what is your definition of apocalyptic? I mean, Why are we struggling not, not with apocalyptic. That word? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like panicky. Hmm. I want to see The Walking Dead. That's my idea of apocalyptic excitement. It sounds like what you were looking for probably happened in between these two movies. Yes, exactly. Probably like what was happening at the end of the last one, the beginning of this one. Right. So, yeah, between these. <laughs> Very good. Because this movie starts with the same kind of montage of the virus spreading across the world and using footage and everything, right? Yes. Okay. We spend more time in San Francisco. Yes. And we spend time in the ape fortress they built in the forest there. Yeah, which is cool. I really liked that. I did too. And I also liked the look of the rundown San Francisco where all the people, the people who survived the virus were. Yes, but I didn't like how they were all in that one little space. How come? Because it wasn't very exciting. I want to see where people live. I want to see where people grocery shop. I don't really care about like mm. where people congregate. Interesting. Yeah. Did you like this movie? I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did you? I, I love this movie. It's my favorite of the three. Okay. I like that I feel like... All of the characters, even though some are more wrong than others, everyone's emotions are justified. Even the ones who excessively hate, it all comes from a place that's very understandable. Like, yes. I know why Koba distrusts humans. Yeah. I know why the humans who hate the monkeys also distrust them. And so I really like that. It, has, it shows a lot of different characters with different degrees of willingness to work together. Yes, I also, I will be interested to see what happens in the next one Mm -hmm. because Caesar and the main guy, I don't remember what his name is. Malcolm? Malcolm, yeah. They are kind of like, they've like formed this like trust. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see like if they stick together, whether one of them's going to turn. I can't see Caesar turning on the apes. I can see Malcolm turning on the humans. Not like turning on the humans, but like fighting for the apes. Yeah. It was also interesting to see how people would feel weirdly betrayed. Like a lot of the apes thought it was so weird that Caesar was going out of his way to help the humans and vice versa. But was he going out of his way? Sort of. I think he, well, he talks about how he understood that 
if he didn't help them, they would probably just come and attack them anyway. So he was trying to do yeah. the the option that caused the least amount of death. Yeah. But I mean, the other apes, a lot of the other apes didn't see it that way. They thought, well, they they figured he was blinded by affection for humans. But that's not what it was. I know. <laughs> Did it surprise you that it picks up as far into the future? Like ten years. Yeah, there's that much of a time jump. Yeah. Again, I would have wanted to see what happened in those ten years. You would want like a direct sequel to the last one. Yeah. The original draft of the screenplay when Matt Reeves was hired was set even further into the future. And the apes already had attained the ability to speak, and Caesar played a much smaller role. And Reeves thought it would be more interesting to explore Caesar's story at an earlier stage and asked for permission to rewrite the script from scratch. I like that. I think it would have been a bit jarring to see all the apes talking. I like that this trilogy is all about Caesar as a character. It's his story. Yeah. Which I really like that they kept the focus on him because... He's a really compelling character, which is always a weird thing to think about because he's just, on paper, a CGI ape. Yeah, I agree. I always sympathize with where he's coming from. Yeah. I thought during the movie, I was like, either he's going to die or his son's going to die. I actually thought that, I feel like I remembered his son dying in it, but I, I... Well, he falls off the horse the one time. Yeah. And you think, oh, he's gone. I also, I knew that Caesar wasn't dead. Yeah, it's kind you of... don't see him die. Because he falls and his, his landing is kind of shrouded. Yeah. But However, I, I wondered if he was going to die in this movie. I wondered if he was dead when they were looking at him and he looks dead. Oh, yeah. And the, I love that part where his eyes move over. I was doing it. Nobody could see. I saw it. Yeah, I, you saw it. I can confirm. Uh, she stared blankly that, and then twitched her eye to the left. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Okay, so part of the surprise in the 10-year jump is that there are no human actors that are from the first movie. Yes. After Rupert Wyatt, who directed the first movie, left, James Franco was asked if he was going to be in it. And he basically, there's a quote saying, now that Rupert's not a part of it, I don't know. My guess is I won't be in it. No one's talked to me since Rupert left. I asked you at the beginning if uh, James Franco was going to be in it. I decided to just tell you that he wasn't so that you wouldn't be... Looking, yeah. waiting for it the entire time. I appreciated that. However, when they get to the house, yeah. I was like, did he lie to me? Is James Franco just going to pop up for a second, make a cameo? Well, he technically does because they show Caesar goes up into the attic and finds a video recorder and watches old footage of James Franco playing with young Caesar. So he's technically yeah. in the movie, uncredited. Much like in the first movie when certain uh, actors and actresses would pop up, you reacted. Did What did you think of this cast? Thought it was great. What is his name? Jason. We got. We have Jason Clark. Yeah. We got Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell. We have oh, oh, Gary Greg, Oldman. Gary Oldman. I almost said Greg Kinnear. Gary Oldman is one of my favorite actors. Oh, really? I think he is. He's so, really good. He's so good in everything he's in. Yeah. I kind of credit the actors and actresses with taking what could be pretty underwritten characters and giving them a lot of humanity. Like Carrie Russell on paper isn't given a lot to do. But she still feels like a well-rounded character. And same with Gary Oldman, who could just be like a pretty two-dimensional villain. That scene where they finally get the power back and his iPad boots up and it's the pit- he looks through the pictures of his children who are all dead. Mm-hmm. That part is so sad. Yeah. Those are actually good. pictures of Gary Oldman's real kids, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I also like the cast more in this movie than in the first one. Yeah, I would agree. Jason Clark is similarly great in everything he's in. He has such... 
an interesting face. He looks so incredibly European to me. Yeah. German or like he, Polish, I'm, maybe. I'm always impressed when actors and actresses who aren't stereotypically good, like attractive, become huge stars. And he's an example of, he's just such an interesting looking person. I'm just, he has such a charisma. I am just always, he's always interesting to watch and compelling to watch. He's just, he's, he's good really looking. good. He is, but it's in a very interesting way. It's in like a normal way. Yeah, like, yeah. Like it's not, it's like a non-traditional yeah. Hollywood yeah, yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, And I, I always just, I think those people, I don't know. I think they are some of my favorite actors and actresses to watch because. Who's somebody else that's like that for you? I wouldn't say unattractive, but just have non-traditionally attractive features. I would say Adam Driver. Yeah, okay. And it just makes them more compelling to watch. Uh-huh. I guess he's good looking, but I was going to say Mark Ruffalo. There's just yeah. something about them is makes them more... Some people are too pretty, and yeah. they're just not as interesting to watch on screen. And they are, and I just... But also Jason Clark and everything I've seen him in, he is... He's just really good. And I just... He has a good character, too, and he's a part of some really suspenseful parts in the movie. Like when he's running around the compound looking for medicine... Mm-hmm. and all the apes just running around all around him. There's just, it was a really tense movie. Yeah. It's something I really liked Yeah, that about part this was one. really good. He goes back to Caesar like three or four times after being told to go away. And every time, like when he's going in by himself and then all the big gorillas show up and carry him in, that would be terrifying because mm-hmm. these creatures can just kill you so easily. I know. Yeah. Oh, those gorillas I think are the scariest one. No, Koba's the scariest. Oh, yeah. By far the freakiest. Did you think Koba... From the first, when you were watching the first movie, did you think he was going to end up playing some kind of a villainous role? I just thought he was going to be like, kind of like a hard ass. <laughs> yeah. And he is. Working on his bike. Yeah. I also thought Rocket was going to be, and Rocket's pretty. I forgot he was in it at all. I, I do remember that Koba kills his son. Oh, though. that part was actually hard to watch. Yeah. It really was. Because he just like yanks him and drags him up the stairs. And he's just like howling. Ash, his son. Yeah. Did you ever think I'd be talking about Planet of the Apes like this, knowing every character's name? Did you Did you ever think you'd be talking about Planet <laughs> no. of the Apes like this? No, I didn't. <laughs> that part was so sad. And then he threw him over the yeah. thing and he dies. I think Caesar's son kind of has an interesting arc that way too. Yeah. When we were first talking about wife watches and discussing the types of franchises that I wanted us to watch. Whenever I would bring up Planet of the Apes, you would just go, oh, all right, yeah, maybe. I know. Do you remember that? Yeah. Amazing. This film was shot in 90 days. The production had a lot of problems during the first week of shooting, and they were filming on location in the forest in Vancouver where it was raining, and the 3D cameras were having a lot of problems with the rain. Does it rain that much in San Francisco? Yeah. I wouldn't. I don't know if it rains that much, but it is foggy every day. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was accurate or not, but I liked it. I so I liked how different it, the aesthetic was from the first one. Yeah. They filmed in the town of Campbell River in British Columbia. They also filmed in, like I said, Vancouver Island, which was chosen for the similarity of the like the forest and the various landscapes to San Francisco. They also filmed in New Orleans and at various locations. New so Orleans? Yeah. At various locations such as uh, Six Flags, New Orleans. What? Yeah. Huh. I don't know why they did that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I also pointed this out when we were watching this, but the music is by Michael Giacchino, who's a great composer, but he also put in little little pieces of uh, like homages to the original score, who I think was Jerry Goldsmith, 
from the 70s where it was like a lot of like little like piano keys hit and it was usually when the apes were crawling around the golden gate bridge and sneaking around and visually it's a really great throwback to how some of those scenes looked in the old movies Oh. I really appreciated yeah, the, that. That was really fun. the parts where they're like swinging over the bridge. Those are always really cool. Oh, yeah. What did you think of the action sequences? I'm always curious how engaged you are right. or how much you're tracking the action. First question is, did Gary Oldman kill himself on accident? No. I, I, that was entirely intentional. Okay, but did he kill himself? Yes. Okay. Well, and he, he it would have killed everyone except that Malcolm jumped under yeah. the thing because the other guys were like, wait, and then it, it blew it all up. Yeah. And he said, Dreyfus, what are you doing? I'm saving the human race. No! I didn't mind the action sequences. The one where they were on top of the building. I felt like that didn't do a ton. The blow up, like the big explosion, didn't probably do as much as they wanted it to. Because the, the action-y part of that was like them fighting. It, the stuff was only like falling for a little second. I would say in my mind there were two big set piece sequences. The first was when the apes attack the front gates on the horses and okay, on yeah. the tank. I really liked that one. That yeah. one's good. That one kind of lost me for a while. It's it, There is a lot of sameness to it, but what I really liked in particular was when Koba gets in the tank and they just that one shot of the yes. tank just swiveling around. That is really, it's just, it looks really Gosh, sharp. That part, Koba is just like going <laughs> insane. Yeah. There is something so scary about a monkey with an automatic, like, rifle. On two, on a horse with two of them? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, anyone, I guess. There's a great shot of him <laughs> coming. any species. There's like a close-up of him coming through the fire in slow-mo. Yes. Yeah. The other sequence I, was, I think about is everything on the tower. I like most of the Koba-Caesar fight, but when it gets to everything falling apart, that's where, for me, I don't, doesn't feel grounded, and it's, I don't really... It doesn't feel physically grounded what's happening, and I it's too big for me to connect it to yeah. characters, I guess. So I was wondering how you were thinking about that, because I personally thought, uh, this is too much. And normally when I watch those in movies, in action movies, I do kind of check out and just wait for that to get over. So probably some people really like that, and it makes it feel very epic. Action set pieces like that, where things are big, things are blowing up like buildings or towers or bridges. And everything's just like debris all falling around. That Some people probably think that's very exciting. That is not the kind of action that appeals to me. Yeah, you like fighting. I do. I like hand-to-hand fighting. Because like, the stakes have to feel personal. Things blowing up and around you can feel good, but you have to be focused in on an individual character. Otherwise, I'm just watching machinery yeah you don't and care noise. about yeah I, why would i why am i caring about what's happening on screen what did you think of caesar killing koba i think it's very interesting i do too because i and i didn't know what was gonna happen because he has that code of apes don't kill apes and just like yeah and the moral like he's always felt like he's had this moral high ground sort of and watching him change over time and almost learn that lesson like the lesson that he learned from this experience, I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting how that's in some ways soured his morality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that a lot. It'll just be interesting to see who the next... What, what the what conflict the con- is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I assume it will be just humans against apes altogether. Well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> we will.
something you already pointed this out in the first movie that you liked how he was named Caesar and like the legend of well Caesar was the a real legend. person but like Caesar's mythology and how it's the parallels are really cool yeah and um, John Lithgow's character in the first movie when he picks up baby Caesar and he, he quotes Julius Caesar from Shakespeare uh-huh. about how everyone will kneel down around him and then uh, the very end of the film all of the apes are kneeling down oh. to Caesar Cool. And then it ends on the shot of his eyes just as the movie started with the shot of his eyes. Which, those shots are great. Oh my gosh. They're so cool. Should we talk about that for a second? Yeah. First movie, apes look pretty good. And when they have to move they around, there's a little, it's a little wonky, but yeah. the, there are some shots that are like static shots of them just sitting there would look pretty good. Maurice, the orangutan, looks the best. Yes. How did they improve in this movie? Um, Maurice still, I think, looked the best. I don't know why. I agreed. That's the same in the third one, too. He is such a cool-looking thing. I don't know if there's something about the way... Maybe they just... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was like, something. maybe something about the way his fur and, like, the the way that pour... Like, the pores on his face. Maybe Maybe. there's something about the way that orangutans look that's easier to animate. Maybe. Or just... We're so used to orangutans being just, like, insane-looking. Yeah. So it's just... It's not as, like... Weird, because that is, or something... maybe we haven't seen orangutans as much, so it's like we're like, oh yeah, that's just what orangutans look like. That could be it. That was it's something I've learned from watching a lot of um, videos that go into visual effects. Uh huh. Is one how surprising it is that how much of movies we see are visual effects, but that we don't notice it because the things that are the most jarring to us are like faces and people uh-huh. and things that look out of place, but everyday things and objects. Uh, when they're digitally created, we almost don't notice them. And they're the easiest ones to animate because, like, if you're animating a plane or, like, a table, those things are easier to animate. It's surprising how much of back in the background of movies that we see are actually digitally created. Interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't, except for Star Wars, that one in um, the second prequel. Oh, man. <laughs> you could be talking about any part of that movie that looks like shit. That's what I'm saying. Anytime they're in that like r- carpeted room, oh my it's, gosh. that's that's where you're like, it seems like the simplest thing to well, just like make look normal. The problem with that is, for well, for one, like a lot of those are just rooms they could have just built as a set. Yeah. The one I'm thinking is the worst one is in Attack of the Clones when they're in the Jedi Temple. And it's just a corridor, an empty, pristine looking corridor that just stretches on forever (laughs) there's so many little things like that like it's not dirty enough it doesn't feel lived in it looks too big there's all these little things that clue in your eye that yeah what i'm looking at is fake yeah or like it's just you and mcgregor walking on a like in a green room talking to a tennis ball i thought that um when we watched smart house too remember how (laughs) stupid stuff looks in that because it doesn't feel lived in and so much of it is digital oh yeah just like early 2000s digital. Just such a mess. <laughs> I know. We've come a long way. Yeah. But this looked great. Yeah. Weta Digital came back to do it again. They did the first movie. Karen Canaval, she's the performer who does Maurice, all the motion capture for Maurice oh, in okay. all of the movies. She wore 10 pounds of weights on each arm um, during all the sequences to sell the weight of her character in oh, the performance that's capture. that's why it looked so amazing then. And they feel so real. Yeah. The senior visual effects supervisor also said that they altered Caesar's facial structure a bit in this movie to resemble more of Andy Serkis. I was thinking that. He does look a bit more like Andy Serkis. There are some shots, close-ups of his face, where you would think you were looking at 
a sculpted model, like an actual monkey. It, yes. It looks, in, it's incredible. Also, I always thought it was Andy Circus, like C-I-R-C-U-S. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that his last name is just like how a three-year-old would spell circus. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like... It's like I get this. Yeah, I, I get the kind of circus you're you're referring to. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how this the effects in this movie will stack up in decades to come. I don't know. A couple years ago, I was rewatching Lord of the Rings. It really was weird how much of it was things I would never have noticed the first time I saw them in the early 2000s, and now I could see the the seams, like the cracks in the digital effects of. Those tiny people running look super fake. It was kind of like when we watched Titanic and there was that big shot over. The ship looks great because, like we said, physical objects are easier to animate. But then the captain just walking like a weird. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like moving his arms in place. Weird like non-fluid very... footsteps. Yeah. 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 I don't know how it'll stack up. I hope they always look good because I, I really like showing these movies to people because of how much how great the effects look. Yeah, they look really good. Most of the apes were digitally animated after real life examples. Weta would sometimes exaggerate the facial movements beyond what apes were normally capable of so yeah. that they could make their communication more believable. Well, that was like the problem with Lion King, remember? Yes. There was no like... You couldn't... Actual expression in their face. Yeah, because they were trying too hard to make them like lions. And they should have. They, like, they should have made them more expressive. Yeah, it was a Disney movie. Yeah, it would have been fine. I do kind of like how them making their faces more expressive in these movies doesn't really feel like a cheat because if you're arguing that they're becoming more human-like, maybe they would develop different kind of muscles in yeah. their face to emote. There's, there's no real argument for, like, keeping them exactly like apes because yeah. they are not... Like regular apes. Yeah. Uh, Cornelia, which was Caesar's wife or partner, is how they put it in Wikipedia. <laughs> it's a weird distinction. Um, they used, quote, the sexiest female chimp they could find as an example to create her. Oh. Uh, by their own admission, they smoothed over some of her facial features and removed some of her wrinkles to make her even prettier, which was probably the biggest deviation from reality that the visual effects team allowed themselves. Interesting. That's weird. <laughs> No, they wanted to make her a bit sexier. That is weird. Caesar has a baby, a, a second boy. Mm -hmm. That is actually the wonkiest looking yeah, for animal sure. in the movie. For sure. Yeah. I don't feel like there was a reason for him to have another son. Maybe there is in the next one. Um, I think it was just for her to be sick, but I guess she could have been she sick anyway. She could have anyway. been sick anyway. I think it was just to show that... Like, He's like, a grow, like growing a family. family. Yeah. Okay, another question that I had was, sometimes um, Blue Eyes would look, who is the son, Caesar's son. Mm -hmm. And does he have Blue Eyes because of the thing, like, Caesar used to have Blue Eyes. He, well, yeah, apparently he's called Blue Eyes because he's the first generation where it's genetically passed and the green eyes aren't necessarily showing up. That's why his name is Blue Eyes. Got it. I'd like to see a spinoff of Blue Eyes. Would you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. Wow, Okay. You're just a real uh, Poda fan. Yeah. That's Planet of the Apes. Uh, that's the that's the uh, abbreviation. Poda. You Can you that. imagine how badly it would have smelled? Think about when you go to like a zoo. The monkeys always smell really bad. But would they though? Because they're by an open water source and they're smarter. So maybe it wouldn't have smelled so bad. Maybe, but even just in general, that world has got to smell terrible. Yeah, yeah. Can I tell you the one thing that really distracted me the most in the whole movie? Yes. Malcolm's son gives Maurice 
a book to look at while it is raining. <laughs> he is sitting there with Maurice, turning the pages, reading it along while it is just straight raining. <laughs> it was triggering all sense of like, will you just put that book back under the, <laughs> We just like take it back in the tent? I'm like, it's ruined. Yeah. I could not, I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. That reminded me of two different things. So when um, Alex, the son, wakes up, and Maurice is just staring at him. <laughs> yeah. That would be so scary. And orangutan's just watching you. Beady eyes with a huge head around it, just staring at just, it. Could just, do anything to you. And huge. He, he, no, those arms are crazy. Yeah. When Koba took over and they put all of Caesar's supporters in that bus, I liked how they got out. Yeah. Which was just make a bunch of noise. All the apes come over and they tip the bus on them. And they scrunch them. Yeah. It was great. When Koba shoots Caesar and Caesar collapses and then Koba has also lit the their ape home on fire, they come out and reveal like the gun and the hat that they took from that guy that they killed in the truck. When Maurice turns to the to Malcolm and everyone, and he just goes, Oh yeah, that part's scary. <laughs> I know. Oh, I was also gonna say just monkeys chasing you. Oh my gosh, I was gonna say this. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was younger, I had a recurring nightmare all the time, a gorilla Mm. chasing me, tickling my back. What? I had this dream so many times as a kid and I would wake up from like arching my back being like trying to get away from this gorilla. I'm not kidding. That's real dreams I had. Oh my gosh. I guess the one real dream. I actually liked when the monkeys were chasing them. That they didn't outrun them, but that they like fell under a thing and all the monkeys went past them. Because yeah. that would be... Terrifying. Oh my gosh. They move Gorillas. so fast. That's actually really... They had a really cool shots of them just all going in unison in the rainforest. Yeah. But... Because we talked a little bit about this, that it's cool how in this movie, a lot of the other monkeys are developing their yeah. ability to talk. And over the course of the film, Koba gets really good at it. They're all kind of just like learning and growing that way. And you can see how over time the monkeys have really just gotten smarter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Maurice. Run. Not like that. No. More like yours. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's PG-13. Got it. It has one F word that it uses. And this is a... I didn't even notice it. This is an old segment that we do that we bring back every now and then. It is... How good was the use of the one F word? I don't remember it. It's when Dreyfus, which is Gary Oldman's character, it, they're like putting all the bombs together and Malcolm grabs the gun and points the gun at him and he's like, I'm sorry, but I can't let you do this. We need to give him a chance. We need to give him some time. Are you out of your f- mind? Oh, boo. No. Lame. Tell me. Tell me why. Because I, I literally didn't even notice it. I w- Here's the thing. If you've got the one to use and you're going to use it, it's got to underscore something. Yeah. That kind of a throwaway would be fine if we were watching a movie where there was just anything goes and language throughout the movie. That would have been perfectly acceptable. But you got to like, if you're going to treat it as this precious commodity, you got to use it for like uh, to really like Otherwise, underscore why something. use it? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Otherwise, it's just throwing it in, which is more jarring. It's more jarring to throw it away, to use it one time as a throwaway than to have it like 50 times throughout the movie. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad we're on the same page with this. I also thought it was a stupid use of the one-time F word. Yeah. It's a good segment. I like that. Okay, the movie was released July 18th, 2014. 
it was a big hit. It was received, it was met with high praise from critics. It also was a huge box office success. It grossed $710 million against a $236 million budget. Wow. So worldwide, it made almost $500 million. <laughs> That's crazy. It is the highest grossing did it do Planet well, of the Apes movie. Did it do well overseas? Yeah. Yeah, it did. It holds a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. I genuinely loved Fair. it. I, I pulled a couple uh, reviews that I really liked that I thought summed up how I felt about it as well. Todd McCarthy of The Hollywood Reporter said that the movie manages to do at least three things exceptionally well that are hard enough to pull off individually. Maintain a simmering level of tension without let up for two hours, which 100%. Seriously improve on on a very good first entry in a franchise and produce a powerful humanistic statement using a significant simian cast of characters. In the annals of sequels, Dawn is to Rise of the Planet of the Apes what The Empire Strikes Back was to Star Wars. It's that much better. Do you agree with that? I really do. I think it's the best kind of sequel where it took everything, took the characters and expanded it and built upon the themes that were already there mm-hmm. in a way that, was, that wasn't replicating anything, but just a natural continuation of the story. I have nothing to really say about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I agree with this. I know, I'm just saying, yeah. sometimes I like reading reviews because they're able just to sum things up in ways that I wish I could. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. I went to high school with a girl and that was her dream job when she was 17. She wanted to be a movie critic. Oh, me too. Yeah. Can you imagine? I wonder what she's doing now. Lauren, if you're out there, Lauren from Miss Dolly's creative writing class, if you're out there listening. Hit us up. How would you review this movie? I would say... Oh, I meant Lauren, but go ahead. You, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, write us in. Write in and tell us how you'd review the movie. No, how? Let's hear, let's hear your review. <laughs> no, because I was just going to make up stuff. It wasn't even going to be good. Oh, shoot. Okay. After seeing a rough cut of the film, so before it was released, Fox signed Matt Reeves to return as a director for a third installment. Even from seeing a rough cut of the film, they were like, this is good. This is going to be good. We'll, we want you back for another one. And I listened to an interview with him where he talked about these movies. And he said that he was able to turn around that third one so much quicker because of all the lessons that he learned on how to do the motion capture and the visual effects from this one. Oh, the mocap? Are you an industry insider? Kind of. Oh, did you like how they kept using uh, Caesar's sign was the the home, the, the window? I did. I love that detail. Yeah. I like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Did you have a favorite part? I like the manipulation. I like that Koba's so manipulative. Mm-hmm. So I liked any time he was manipulating the situation to get what he wanted. So I don't know that I had a favorite part, but he was probably the most interesting character that anytime he was on screen, I was like, what is I was this guy going to do? Yeah, like he's insane. Like when he, the thing where he's like messing with the people at the armory, the music gets really tense. And then he just like sticks out his tongue and starts acting insane. Yeah. And then he walks away. And he's just pissed. I know. He's, it's, he's a good character. He's that, terrifying. If I, Maybe if I had to pick like one scene that I what is the best executed scene, it might be when he goes back to the armory the second time. He's yeah. goofing around and just... And those guys are like, you dumb monkey. And just blows him away. Oh, so violently. And it's so, like that sound of that gunfire is so loud and so it's so alarming. Yes. It really just... It is. It is terrifying. Yeah. I also, I feel like this movie, I mean, the first one has a lot of emotion too. They all do, which I think is like a really a great achievement of these movies. But I think I feel it the most in this one, especially when Gary Oldman is looking at the pictures of his children and just sobbing. I told you at one point I've cried in this movie. 
<laughs> right? Do you know, do you want to know which part that was? Yeah, what? It was when I was rewatching these for when the third one came out. It's at the very end when Malcolm is talking to Caesar. You're not safe here. They made contact. All the people are coming. Soldiers. You have to leave now, everyone. Caesar, if you don't go, it'll be all out war. War has already begun. They started war. And human. So much of life is like that. And it's just like if people could just trust more. Because so much of yeah. what happens is misunderstandings and reading ill intention into like another group of people. Well, yeah, they both think they're ill intentioned. And yeah. they're not. And even the guy who brings the gun with him and just screws everything up at that point, he is thinking that he is going to protect these people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. It just that when I was rewatching it, it just kind of like really hit me. How, how sad is that? Just to be like, we were so close at living together, and now my side has contacted the outside world that you're a threat. Now it's just these two groups of people are just going to be at each other now. Yeah. And we were so close at building a bridge together and like living together peacefully. Yeah. It's uh, that's it's, good. Yeah. It is so sad. That's what makes these movies so good. I know. It is so weird that these movies aren't just kind of shit. Like just, or even just like, ah, oh, that was fun and forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. One more piece of information because we talked the last episode. I was certain no one would view any of the old movies as their favorite movie or, you know what I mean? Like loving this franchise, like you'd love Star Wars or something else. Mm-hmm. So the motion capture performer for Cornelia, Caesar's wife, was Judy Greer. What? Yeah. <laughs> Judy Greer? Mm-hmm. Oh, that is weird. I don't know why you would even need to hire an actress because Cornelia doesn't say any lines. Nope. Anyway, it was Judy Greer. I, this, this is a fact that I learned. Judy Greer's husband is reportedly a massive fan of Planet of the Apes. Greer revealed in an interview with Vulture that they had a chimp husband and wife cake topper at their wedding. Oh? While, while the 1968 Planet of the Apes and Rise of the Planet of the Apes played on two separate televisions no. in a bar area at the cocktail hour. <laughs> yeah. I'm speech... I don't even know what to say. Her wet... Their wedding. Their wedding. So... I stand corrected. Apes fans, apes super fans exist. Oh, man. Maybe, and, you know, maybe that's honestly why she was like, yeah, I'll be in this. I want to be in this movie. My husband loves these movies. <laughs> For... What would you have done if I had 
any any type of franchise character, but demanded or at least requested that we have them as a cake topper. Uh, there's there's not one franchise character I would have been okay with. You wouldn't. Have, there's no one you would allow. No, no, no. We didn't. We barely had a wedding cake. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you think her husband? Uh, do you think they role play <laughs> Planet of the Apes characters? Do you think he's Koba or do you think he's Caesar? Do you think she's one of, do you think she has like the ape makeup from the 70s ones and he's the Charlton Heston character? <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Okay, how many stars would you give this movie? I would give it a solid two. Okay. You're down for one more? Yeah. It is the last one in the trilogy Great. because the Disney 20th Century Fox merger happened and Disney has said that they are intending to reboot it. Oh boy. I guess we'll be watching those. I guess. Well, there's not a lot of details on what they're going to do. They have said that they either might reboot it or do like another movie set within the same uh, continuity somehow. Okay. But I think they are completely leaving behind this storyline and doing something completely different, which honestly would be insane. It's insane that this this franchise will not die. But it We've ma- said it before and we'll say it again. It makes money and people like it and... They already have a director. They get new fans every day, me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and our kids. Yeah, our kids. We'll uh, have little apes hanging from their bassinet. Yeah. Okay, Courtney, where can people find us if they want to reach the podcast? They can find us on Instagram at Wife Watches. They can find us on Twitter at Wife underscore Watches. Undersqu- <laughs> they can find us on Twitter at Wife underscore Watches. Note the underscore. Yep. They can email us, which we encourage, mm-hmm. at at gmail.com. Correct. You can leave us a review. Yep. Write us a review. Leave us a rating. <laughs> what is it? Write us, leave us a review. Write us a rating. I never remember. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. Yeah. Write us. Leave us a review. Yeah. Or you can stop by our house and leave us some treats. Nope. I don't. <laughs> let's not encourage that. Okay, great. Uh, another successful quarantine-themed episode down. Yeah, another day in Hol- in paradise. Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Just another day in quarantine paradise. All right. Uh, watch you later. And remember, if we go to war, we could lose all we've built. Home. Family. <laughs>